Well, over these first couple of weeks, God has, I'm sure, worked in all of your hearts. He certainly has worked in my heart. And uh, there are challenges that the Lord has given to you that you're stirred to follow. Plus, you've had challenges given to you on Monday. Those of us all are a week ago Monday, assignment sheets. And uh, those things are a challenge. And other things that will come along. And though we may have good resolve, especially coming out of key decisions for the Lord, there is that reality that will hit you. Wow, this almost seems impossible. Well, we need to understand that, humanly speaking, what God wants us to do is always impossible. Now, it's not fun to be in an impossible situation. I was the leader of the uh, Western Ensemble for uh, the college there, uh, and uh, this was my third summer out, and so I had not had this, no, this was actually, no, this was my first summer out, well, regardless. Um, we were down in Arizona, and, uh, and so we had a, a big youth meeting and then a service that night. We had been in a, um, somewhere, I think in New Mexico, so we had a bit of a a trip down, and I looked at the map, and of course, didn't have the wonderful uh, uh, ability just to put the address in and tell you which is the best way and all of that. There was a long way around with the expressway from where we were at, or there was the direct route through the mountains that are to the east of uh, Phoenix. And so I calculated the mileage and everything, and it was a whole lot. Uh, closer the just going direct and I love going through mountains so I thought we'll do that we left in good enough time I should have known though when the route was uh, numbered 666 <laughs> that probably was not a very wise uh, route to take so uh, anyway we had start heading up in the mountains and of course we're all enjoying uh, getting up in there and uh, we're on our way up and bang one of our tires blew we had, by the way back, I guess it would have been my, my first one because we had a station wagon. Anybody knows what a station wagon is? Okay. And so we had the big thing on top and uh, carrying everything. And so uh, the car was quite weighted down. Well, we had a spare. We put it on. Now, what I should have done, turn around, get everything taken care of and so forth. But I didn't because now time was getting to be a bit... Tricky, so we start going up, 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 and we're right near the pass, uh, the summit, uh, heading down, and you guessed it, bang, second tire. Now we have a problem. The clock is ticking. I am in trouble. That was an impossible situation, and a lot of people obviously knew Route 666 wasn't the route to take because there weren't very many people coming by. And I didn't know what we were going to do because I didn't know where the closest uh, service station would be that could help us. I mean, I was probably oh, 50 miles either direction. And uh, again, the clock is ticking. I don't remember uh, what it was, but if we didn't get things handled very uh, exponentially, we would be in trouble. Well, um, the Lord did answer prayer. Let me just say um, the sad story is we didn't make it on time. And uh, that did not go over with the university whatsoever. Uh, the, especially when they found out I took Route 666. But uh, uh, we did get there in time, though. And the pastor was really sharp. He moved 
the big youth get-together afterwards, and it was one of the best times we ever had. Still didn't help the university, but it was great. We got a bunch of prospective students out of it, and I felt better about it. But guess who picked me up? Here we are in this big black limousine, because I had to have somebody take me so I could get the tire and so forth. And it was a little scary. I thought, is this the mafia? You know, what is this? And uh, it wasn't the mafia. It was worse. It was the president of the Mormon church. <laughs> what was he doing on 666? Well, it makes sense that he was on 6666. <laughs> and so I get in there and, and um, oh, we're glad to help you. And he introduced who he was. And then and he had a couple of the lieutenants there. And I thought, boy, oh, boy, did I get myself uh, in a mess all the way around here. Let, let me say, they were very kind, and it was, uh, you know, about 40 miles up that we were able to get help, get the tire fixed, and, and they brought me back. I mean, so uh, Mormons are very, many times, very good people. Uh, it was very interesting, though. We did get into theology, and uh, I got really, I got encouraged about the gospel. He asked me, what do I believe? And so I gave the gospel. And you know, there's power in the gospel, even when you're talking to the most informed man in a cult like that. Um, he really didn't want to talk a whole lot after I gave that. We just didn't argue much because there is power in the gospel. So I, I was greatly encouraged. But my whole reason for giving that extended illustration is, I'm telling you, I had some moments of feeling total impossibility out in nowhere, out in the woods, no place to go, nobody to help us, and it's an awful feeling. Much more serious than that was when after uh, three surgeries with my son Wayne's uh, brain tumor, uh, we finally got the uh, prognosis for him, and I was expecting it to be very bad, 10% chance to live, that's sort of typical, and that's real edgy, if that's even possible because he had a massive brain tumor and there were fingers left. There was just really, I knew I was in trouble, but you know, you look for every bit of hope you can get. And I'll never forget sitting down with the, uh, the doctor and when I realized that he had a social worker with him, I knew this was not a good discussion that we were going to have. And uh, he, he told me that it was highly malignant and that they had studied every case of that cancer in the Western hemisphere and uh, it took him, that's why it took him three weeks to come up with a prognosis and that uh, he didn't have any chance to live. And I said, well, what's the survival rate? And he said, that's just it. No one has ever survived past several months, period, case closed. So he said, let's take about the options of comfort care, you know, the whole business. That's a chilling discussion to have with a two-and-a-half-year-old boy about your two-and-a-half-year-old son. Uh, but there was that moment of impossible. Humanly, impossible. Just You just are frozen with that reality. Now, I, I got to say that it wasn't long before the Holy Spirit started whispering in my ear, it's not impossible, I'm here. <laughs> and God began to start stirring me to faith, uh, in this case, to pray for healing, which we did see. But I bring up those, to me, were very traumatic um, times in my life of impossibilities, just to try to uh, uh, help you realize the impossibility of what, or that feeling that you're going to have, especially in your spiritual life. 
you know, you get excited about souls, you finally get free on certain areas, but then those temptations will still be coming back and you still have the weakness of character, you still have the different issues that you're facing, and Satan loves to come along and make you feel that it's impossible. Now the message I'm going to give to you is a little different angle than what I do, but normally every year or so I cover this. I did this uh, last year, but this is, this is a truth that is core truth that you have to have in your Christian life. And so um, I want us to look at uh, Ephesians chapter 4, if you'll turn there with me. Ephesians chapter 4. And we see what will bring genuine impossibilities into our lives. Now, the flesh, of course, cannot do in its own power that which will please God. John 15, 5, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. Okay, we know that. But what keeps us in the flesh? Well, a number of things do, but we have right here, I find one of the key things that is often undetected. You all have been dealing with issues in your life. You've been dealing with some of the collateral damage. You've been looking at some of those issues. But there's one that goes down deeply, and I'm especially burdened in light of your past, your family relationships, and other relationships that you really analyze whether or not this might be a reason that you come to the wall, so to speak, and just seem like you can't get through. Verse 30, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. All right, if the flesh, you can do nothing, what will overcome the flesh? The Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is held back, if He is grieved, are you in trouble? Absolutely you're in trouble. Well, look at what is right after that. Uh, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. I want to speak to you about this subtle thing called bitterness. Honestly, it grips people. Even when they get victory, they fall right back into that trap. And often when you have this paralysis in your Christian life, you realize, ooh, I may have gotten some relief from this, but I haven't really settled this like I need to settle it. And it could be the thing that's confusing you in your life right now. Now, uh, bitterness is the root, as we find in Hebrews chapter 12, and it leads to wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking and, and malice. Now, we talked about some of these on uh, Sunday night, looking at the new man, the old man. We talked about that in chapel a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, and so these are things that occur when we are not walking in the Spirit. But what is bitterness, first of all? Bitterness is the word itself just simply means that bitter taste in the... Uh, application to emotions and so forth that has the idea of that that resentment animosity really I like to just define it as that shifting of blame for the issues that you're having in your life in other words things aren't what like you want it to be uh, there's there's things that are un unhappy for you there are consequences that have come and and you don't like those consequences and instead of handling it biblically which we'll look at there could be this 
just uh, bitter taste, this root of bitterness, which is really a subtle blaming of someone else. Did you know bitterness can be uh, from something that happened 10 years ago? I've seen Christians just paralyzed for years and years and years. And a lot of times they do not really understand that they are bitter. Now notice the progression here, and I want you to see this. Um, the progression, well, let me, let me just give you, um, before I get to that, the uh, bitterness, uh, have you ever eaten something bitter and thought about that thing all day long? I mean, your taste buds are so constructed to protect you from poison. And so often things that are poisonous are also bitter. Now, we all love the sweet taste buds, right? And we cater to those, and so we uh, eat that. But you know, a sweet taste doesn't last that long, but a bitter one does. And I have a couple of illustrations I've given before. Bear with me, but uh, uh, one that I'll... I, I'll not forget, I was uh, in Mitchell Field and I was running to, a, um, uh, to get on a plane and uh, I think I had eaten something that was spicy just before that. And so they have those little chiclet gum things, you know. And so I had a change. You know, I haven't had change for a long time, but I had change. Uh, it's so funny, I don't have cash anymore. I don't have change. You just uh, use your credit card. But... Anyway, I got a, a handful of that stuck in my pocket so I could have that so when I got off the plane I wouldn't uh, uh, scare my host half to death, uh, death uh, when, we, uh, when I got there. So anyway, somewhere along the line, uh, on the plane, I grabbed uh, my uh, chiclets there and you know, you can't just put one in, you just grab several of them. So I grabbed several and without looking through them in my mouth, I forgot that my wife had given me my daily vitamins. And I had put those in the very same pocket. It was not good. If I remember correctly, this was a sort of a last-minute trip, and I was sitting in the middle seat. And uh, I, my options were not good because we were taking off. or It was just a bad moment. You ever had those bad moments? I mean, there's just nothing you can do about it, you know. And so I'm having to, you know, I can't look too gross. I'm trying to find something to spit this stuff out. And it was awful. And, I mean, it was worse because I, yeah, I, I, I was looking forward to chewing those uh, chiclets, you know. And I, I got to go on, and, boy, I, I went way too strong on it before the taste buds kicked in. So I can't remember. I finally figured something out and wasn't too gross in what I did and got, got rid of it. But, you know, the taste didn't go away through the flight. It didn't go away when I met my host. It didn't go away when I went to preach that night. I'm still thinking vitamins, you know. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so I really advise do not chew non-chewable vitamins. I, I can honestly witness that that is not a wise thing to do. And uh, most of you have heard I went to the Dead Sea as a 16-year-old and a bunch of preachers, and there was this card of a preacher I should have known better, and everybody was down there, and the guide said, you know, just taste this because it's so highly... Uh, uh, all this, not just the salt, but all the chemicals. And, um, and this uh, preacher said, hey, if you really want to experience, cup your hand and throw that in your mouth and swish it around. <laughs> Dumb 16-year-olds, you know, your brain still isn't quite formed at that point. By the way, freshman is not quite formed yet either. What is it, 25? Now, you seminarians, you're getting close. 
But probably after the last couple of days of class, you wonder if it's formed, don't you? Yeah, uh, that's what I thought. But uh, anyway, uh, I tell you, that made the uh, vitamins seem like nothing. I mean, it was awful. I gagged. It was really embarrassing. And I ran up, uh, and there was a vending area or a concessions area, and I did what, what the smart thing was to do. I bought a couple of candy bars and two things of, uh, of Coke, you know, real real smart way to, but I, I'm telling you, I thought about the Dead Sea for a long time. I mean, the candy went away. The Coke went away. The Dead Sea did not, especially when I found out that the kibbutz that was right there next to it dumped their sewage into the Dead Sea. But anyway, uh, that didn't help. But people are out there swimming. I mean, of course, it kills it immediately, but just the thought of it, you know, is, uh, there wasn't anything bad, but isn't this an edifying message, I tell you. <laughs> uh, but anyway, the matter of bitterness is it's an ongoing awareness that, that you're not happy about something. There are things in your life you're not happy about, and it's because of someone, something <laughs> other than you. Now keep that in mind, because that's going to produce, you see, the order here, and I'm not going to make a lot of it here, but I want you to see this. The word wrath is a word that we mentioned the other night that uh, means losing of your temper. People that are bitter or people that have a bad conscience about anything uh, have a tendency to just, they don't have the spiritual power to hold on to their emotions and they'll blow up. Listen, if you have a tendency at times to find yourself irritable and uh, and having a loss of temper, mark it down. There's something you better go find out. A loss of temper is not, as I mentioned the other day, not your genetic makeup, except being a, from the race of Adam. It is something, it is an indication something is wrong. But bitterness not dealt with will lead to a loss of temper. And then that next word, anger, is seething resentment, that inner turmoil, that burning of anger within someone. Now, most of us think that that is bitterness. I'm not bitter. Well, you may not be at the moment all whacked out about something, but there's that taste. My dad, my mom, my sister, my youth pastor, my school principal, my boss, or maybe here, my teacher, my dean, my roommate, that one makes sense, but uh, my roommate or whatever, it immediately it comes to mind that they've done something that has made your life not so good right now. And it, it's almost for men, this really not when if I'm dealing with men, for men they can actually just not have emotion or anything, they just got this conviction. That wife I got. In other words, I don't have much of a life because of my wife. And many wives get bitter. By the way, you notice the Bible says in Colossians 3, husbands be not bitter against your wives. But wives can be bitter. My husband's not leading. He's not having family altar. He's not doing this with the kids. He's not providing. And even though she's trying to have a good attitude, do you think she can slip into bitterness? Blame? Absolutely or people that have had bad things happen to them in the past. And that's what I want you to think about is that 
if there's somebody or something that the minute it comes to mind, there's still resentment, that's bitterness. And that could be one of the, could be the key reason you can't seem to get free. Well, another indication is clamor. Clamor is when you are so frustrated that now you can't hold it in. That's when it shows. Irritability. That may be a milder form of clamor, but that's the beginning of it. Frustration. Uh, aggravation. In other words, you're no longer just holding it to yourself. When you get into circumstances, especially when it involves maybe that person, or because of that person, you're showing how you feel, that body language. I can't stand that. But now, no longer can you contain yourself. And that's going to lead then, if you'll notice, uh, to evil speaking. Uh, the idea of speaking, uh, uh, it's like slander, uh, gossip. That's when you actually start talking negatively, as I mentioned on Sunday, about someone that you have no business talking about. If you are not part of the problem where you need to get to settled, or you're talking to someone who is part of the biblical solution, you have no right to talk about it. So that means then you've got bitterness. I'm telling you, and that's, listen, I, I mentioned it just slightly on Sunday, but let me emphasize this. Don't, don't talk to a gossiper. Because the root of bitterness defiles many. Boy, have I learned that over the years. I don't want to hear it because I don't want to be infected with that spirit. Mark it down. If somebody gets to the place of being willing to be directly negative about somebody else and it's not appropriate for you to hear, you can mark it down that they have been bitter for a while to build up wrath, anger, clamor, then get to evil speaking. That comes from some unsolved situations in the life. You know, and if you're a close friend to somebody, you ought to say, you know, you're, this isn't really, this is not for me to hear. Something's wrong in your heart. You need to go at that settle right now. By the way, you know one of the best ways to, to be a person that people gossip to you about, uh, about other people is the minute somebody starts talking about somebody, say, oh, okay. Stop right there. Let's go see him right now. Let's go. And uh, that really does sort of eliminate, uh, if you're consistent on that, now let's go. Let's at least write an email to get an appointment. No, I'm not going to hear anymore. You need to talk to him. I'm not the person to talk to. Wouldn't it be nice if everybody did that? Man, we'd solve a lot of problems if uh, that happened. Churches would have a lot less issues uh, in, uh, in, their, in, in the church family if that would be the case. And then, malice. And this is what's so sad. This is when you actually hurt somebody. That's when, as a little kid, you got bitter and you went through this whole process and you slugged your brother and felt justified. You know how it goes, but that's dangerous. It's when you push somebody down. That's when you yell at them. And I uh, alluded to some of that, you say, wow, uh, but this is where bitterness goes, folks. It really is where it goes. And in the midst of all this, do you think other sins can creep up? Absolutely. But the biggest thing is grieving the Holy Spirit. So bitterness is blaming someone else for your present negative circumstances. 
It's an unwillingness to take responsibility for your own problems and settle the issue by the power of God. Now, let's just take just a moment and look at, if you're not grieving the Spirit, what should be obvious. Go, go over a chapter to chapter 5, and you have the wonderful section here on living out the Christian life that Paul uh, gives under inspiration, redeeming the time, and so forth. But then the very important admonition in uh, verse 18, and be not drunk with wine where is excess, but be filled or controlled or under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Now that's the opposite of grieving the Spirit. Now why in the world would you have uh, be not drunk with wine at the front end of that? Well, that just seems to come out of nowhere in this passage. Well, the whole point is don't escape your hurts. Don't run from your problems through chemical uh, drugs or whatever. Alcohol or you can put anything in that. You could put a whole slew of things. That's why people who are hurting and are bitter will view things that they ought not view like Dr. Jim was preaching about. Or that they will eat too much. Or they will spend too much. We had a man here some years ago and he was a doctor but they, he was in huge debt because his wife uh, had a terrible addiction to spending, and it was serious. I mean, that was a, it took a lot to try to deal with that issue. But the whole thing is trying to feel better, um, and instead of facing your problems, getting something to make you feel better. Be careful of anything you depend upon. There's nothing wrong with coffee. Dr. Paul will tell you that theologically. He will try to prove that from Deuteronomy, which he will not be able to prove. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> but if you're depending upon caffeine to get you through things that are issues you ought to face, that's the same thing. To get you up in the morning, eh, okay, I'll allow that because uh, I'd rather have you awake in class than uh, half dead, so that's okay. But I just, but even something really as neutral as that can be an escape. Now, honestly, if you look at it. If you're hurting about things and you are blaming, there's some bitterness there, I promise you, you've got little coping mechanisms that are going on in your life. And those things undermine your character, they undermine your ability to concentrate on your work, and above all, instead of allowing the Spirit of God to enable you, that's your Holy Spirit. You've really got to watch out for that. And there's just all kinds of little things we do to feel better but we, and by the way, that was another word for that. We heard it quite a bit, selfishness, gratifying self. But instead of facing the issue, instead of solving it, we run from it and we don't have God's power. See, this is what's going to get you in a few weeks. Here you are, God's really moving you forward. He's going to stir you about your walk with Him. He's going to stir you about... Uh, witnessing and ministry. Your life's going to get a different perspective. You're going to be challenged by courses that are going to stretch you. All of this down deep you know is good, but you're just going to hit that wall if you're not walking in the Spirit. And I tell you, bitterness, escaping, coping, is going to be that which could really trip you up. And many of you bring baggage into college with unresolved relationship issues that need to be resolved. We'll, we'll look at that. So, um, filled with the Spirit, in the uh, 
the next three verses, I'm just going to mention it, but uh, verse 19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. One of the ways that you know you aren't grieving the Spirit is you're praising the Lord. I mean, you just got a song on your heart. You realize God's working and, you're, and, and things that you don't like are okay because God's using it in your life. So are you spirit-filled when you're grumbling? No, never. Never, never, never. You see, a spirit-filled Christian is one with that, that genuine awareness of God because you've met with Him and it's real and your heart is lifted and you have, you have the joy of the Lord. Secondly, right with this, speaking to your, I'm sorry, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. A thankful spirit. Yeah, that was a tough trial. Well, maybe that wasn't totally fair, but God's using that. That's help. He's helping grow me instead of that one, right? Totally different perspective. When the Spirit of God's in control, everything changes. It's a supernatural way to think. Then, this is the key here, verse 21, the third evidence is submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. Here you have the willingness to go overcome the selfishness of your flesh and give yourself to the roles that God has given to you in your life. This starts off with husband-wife, child-parent, and then it goes to employer-employee-slave-master relationships. And isn't that interesting? Right here with all of this, you have family right at the core. Because those are where those inner issues come from. Let me just say, young people, if you can't get over bitterness now, you're going to bring it right into your marriage. And that's the only reason that marriages have problems. But let's go to chapter 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. How many of you have memorized that verse? Okay, I thought so. That's good. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Wow. That's not just the fifth commandment, which is hugely important. That's the transition commandment between love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind, and love thy neighbor as thyself. You violate the fifth commandment, you are going to, <coughs> excuse me, violate the other commandments. Um, but let me just ask you, do you have a full sense of honoring and loving your parents? Or is there a holdback? Are you blaming them? They may have an unsaved dad or mom. And we're going to talk about how you can overcome that, but do you have a bit of a resentment against them? Do you have some failures that your parents obviously have? And by the way, all the parents do. But instead of honoring them, you at times are a little sarcastic. You demean them a little. You say a few things here or there to other people. Um, or maybe you just don't listen because there is a bit of resentment in your heart, which is bitterness, and it's going to kill you spiritually. And so a spirit-filled person will submit themselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. By the way, when an incident does occur between you and somebody else, especially parents, uh, you will find yourself immediately breaking down on communicating. 
And uh, you ought to be communicating regularly with your parents. If you have a parent you don't want to call very often, boy, if that isn't a warning signal, I don't know what is. Now, again, they might be unsaved or way away from God, but that ought to be ministry. There ought to be nothing in your spirit that makes it, oh, I've got to call my dad, I've got to call my mom. That's horrible. For many of you, you can't wait to talk to him again. You know, that's, that's what you want. But is there something unresolved? And then you'll show have a loss of love. You're ungrateful. You can get stubborn. That's where you get to be your own authority. All the bitterness just goes down, down, down in all of that. All right. Now, let's go to the other bitterness passage and we'll be done here. Hebrews chapter 12. And I want you to see something. I want to talk about how to overcome the problem of bitterness. <clears throat> Obviously, by the Spirit of God. But I want you to note verse 15. I don't have time to put this into context. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you. Where does the root of bitterness come from? The root of bitterness comes because you are unhappy in your life because you failed the grace of God. In other words, the whole emphasis of that verse isn't primarily on bitterness. It's on look diligently. Have you failed of the grace of God because you're not walking by faith? You haven't gotten things right. You're not experiencing divine deliverance. You're not living in that realm. Because if you're not, then you're not fulfilled. You're not where you ought to be. And you're going to have an immediate tendency to be what? Bitter. To blame. That's why you've got to look diligently. Uh, lest any root of bitterness spring up and trouble you. Now, folks, number one, you've got to take responsibility for your own unhappiness. Did you hear me? I don't care what situation you're in. Did you know you can have the joy of the Lord right now? You failed of the grace of God. You say, but you don't know what my dad has done or what he's doing. No, I don't. You don't know what I went through with certain people in my church. Some of you are PKs, MKs. You don't know what my, my parents suffered in the ministry. Or whatever. But my friends, none of that can take away victory, blessing, and joy, and peace in your life right now. That's your responsibility. You failed the grace of God. You have not accessed what God has given to you. Did you know right now you can decide to yield your life to the Lord and trust Him and give all of that blame over to Him and realize that God works everything for good and He's shaping you even through the injustices in your life? Wouldn't it be wonderful if our society would get a hold of that? Instead of blaming for injustice, let, let God use it. There's no way they're going to think that unless we give the gospel to them. But that's the way you've got to look at it. If you're unhappy today, guess who made you unhappy? You did. It's not your teacher. I know they're easy to blame. They're easy to blame. Well, you don't know. I just had to take a test and it wasn't good. And my teacher put a bunch of red on my paper, you know. Well, they, they just like red, you know, they color things up. Uh, and, and you can get all of this, oh, woe is me stuff. But the only reason you're unhappy today is you're not processing it by the grace of God. 
you failed to the grace of God. Some of you have had real tragedies in your past. You've had some abuse. You gonna let that ruin the rest of your life? And I don't say that lightly, believe me, I have to thoroughly counsel and get other counseling for some situations. But I tell you, victory comes when you take responsibility for right now. You can have God's power, you can have God's peace, you can have God's joy, it is your decision because you have the wealth and inheritance of what Christ has done for you. So it's very important that we put off the old man with those reactions and put on the new man. And we need to confess our sin of bitterness and blaming because it's paralyzing us uh, from having the power of God in our life. And then you need to submit yourself to the role the Holy Spirit has for you. All right. Your dad has done some things that you realize right now, i got some bitterness. Okay, you're not going to make your dad get right, but you know one thing you can do? Be the right kind of son or daughter. In other words, you don't blame anymore. You take responsibility and you forgive. And then you start being the kind of daughter you ought to be, the kind of son you ought to be. Be a blessing. Serve. Follow. Have a heart of honoring. Do what you can to encourage. Guess who wins on that one? You do. And guess who could potentially win on that? It's whoever you're doing what you ought to do for. Um, you know, let's say you're working for somebody. They don't treat you right. Well, the Bible says that you're not, you're not to do the work that you do in your job for eye service. You're to do it as unto the Lord. You may not be able to get the thing resolved with your um, boss. You can quit, of course. But if God has you there, you ought to stick it out. And what do you do? Be a good employee. Think God can work and use that situation? But your heart will be free. Then you can be a testimony and lead people to Christ. Uh, so it's the idea of submitting yourselves to the roles. So take responsibility for your own unhappiness and then submit to the roles that God has given us. You see, we've got to have a love for other people and not for ourselves. And then this is done by communicating, being honest. Being open, being transparent, letting God work. So young people, these, you know, we can deal with some big sins in our lives, but you know a lot of the big sins come because bitterness is there and we're escaping. Getting down to the core issue of where you find yourself blaming will actually get you totally free uh, if you really are willing to let God show that to you. So is there any blame in your life right now? Oh, my mom just wouldn't do what she does. I'd be a whole lot happier. My dad didn't make me do this. Or, you know, if I hadn't had that problem with that faculty member, or if my youth pastor hadn't treated me the way that he treated me, or if I hadn't had some of those kids in my peer group in the past uh, treat me, I would be a whole lot better. No, the only reason you're not a whole lot better is you've chosen not to be a whole lot better. Because you've got everything you need to have victory. You can't change people. God can do it through prayer. You've got to take responsibility for yourself. And if you've got a responsibility to your parents, then let God enable you to do what you should do for your parents or your boss or whoever it is in your life, your faculty member, your administration. In other words, you need to, to get a hold of that and not be a victim in your life. I just feel so sorry for people that live as victims. Folks, we can be on the winning side if we will let the Holy Spirit work. So... Is it going to be impossible to do what you got to do these next few weeks? 
Is it going to be impossible for you to be the Christian you ought to be? Yes, humanly. But it's greatly possible, it's exceeding abundantly more than you could ask or think possible when you're walking in the power of the Spirit. That's why bitterness is just not worth it. Don't blame, don't blame, don't blame. Let's bow for prayer.